Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring indie and small press authors with host Emma Pulova. As we keep rocking this futuristic year 2022, we're going to have a blast. Today, I will be chatting with author Tony Lindsay about his book, Melody Night, A Vampire's Tale, which is a spy thriller and a vampire novel. At the end of the interview, Tony will announce the details of his book giveaway. Tony is the author of 10 novels and a contributor to several anthologies. He has an MA in English from Arizona State University and bachelor's in psychology from the University of Illinois, Chicago. He teaches at Harold Washington College, McCormick College, and Ivy Tech Community College. Hello, Tony. How are Hello. you? I'm good, Emma. How are you today? Oh, good, good. It's sunny and nice. Okay, let's talk about your Melody Night, all the major characters, the genre, and the plot. Okay. Um, um, I'd I like to add something really quick. I, I don't, maybe I didn't put it in the bio. But I also have an MFA from Chicago State. That, that's one of the degrees I'm very, very proud of. So okay, I like to sure. always throw that in. Okay. Sure. Okay, that's so true. Melody Knight is a not a traditional vampire story because she is also a, um, a CIA operative. Um, she gets hired to do jobs for the CIA. Um, I think it would be called a thriller, although since it's a vampire book, people will label it as a horror story. Um, I know that the readers will find it as a page turner because it's, it, it has a very good, um, a very comfortable pace, but it moves very fast. Um, readers have told me that they've read the book in two days, which I, I you know, I take as a compliment. Yeah, I take it as a compliment. Um, you, what's unique about the story is you see her developing as a vampire. You don't meet her. I mean, you meet her as a vampire, but you flash back to how she developed. When you actually first meet her, she has, um, her fiance has just been shot down and, and murdered right in front of her. So she is um, extremely depressed, uh, close to suicidal. So she has a handful of pills that she's about to take. Um, but she, she doesn't commit suicide because a vampire um, appears and takes her. Um, this particular vampires only feed on people who are depressed or close to committing suicide. So that's another different sort of twist on the story. What they do is they give the afterlife to people who are considering taking their life or this one particular vampire. That's what he does. So it, um, it deals with some social issues. The, um, you see a blended family in this novel because um, the vampire that took her has two other women that he raises as his daughters. So you see this vampire's family life interaction developing. But again, you see her developing into a full vampire. So it is a, um, an intriguing story. And we also dwell a little bit into the history of vampires in America. Um, I offer a history of how they got here and um, how they've survived. And so, and then you even see vampires during slavery. So um, there is a little uh, his, historical perspective to the thriller. And, and I, you know, I think it's a really, really good read. 
It sounds like an excellent read. Can you tell us what inspired this? Since it's such a combination of different genre, were there several things that inspired you? Uh, sure, yeah, yes. Um, I wanted to write a vampire novel because I'm, I'm a fan of vampire movies and I've read vampire books. So I wanted to do one. In my career, I try to do things that are um, <laughs> being, being an author has allowed me a degree of freedom that allows me to write what I want to write. So since I can, the type of author that I am, I can write what I want to write. Um, I wrote this vampire novel because I really wanted to do one. I thought I could do it a little bit differently, right? I thought I could write it where um, people would have um, humanitarian concern for a vampire, which is what I tried to do here. I, I think the reader will view Melody more as a person than a monster. And, and that's what I wanted to do. Um, and what was, the, what was the other part of the question? Did I, what were some of the, in, oh, the, some of the other influences or why I wrote it was, um, I wanted to step outside of my comfort zone. Uh, okay. People know me as, as a mystery writer, as a young adult writer, and as an urban writer, but I've only written one speculative fiction piece before, and that was called Prayer of Prey. So I was kind of returning to the genre, reminding people that yes, I also write speculative fiction, and that's what this piece is. I like to consider this, even though it's horror and a vampire novel, it's speculative because it tells you what could be. There could be vampires living next to you. You don't know that there are. We don't know. Right. <laughs> we don't know that, right? Luckily, right. we don't know. Who inspired the main character? Was that a particular person in your life? Um, the story inspired her. I, I wanted this protagonist to be different. Um, I wanted her to be a strong woman, and I wanted her... Um, to have power, right? And, and I wanted her. I wanted her power um, to be challenged, but yet and still she maintains this. So I wanted her to stand. I wanted to have a strong female lead, um, as opposed to a you know a, a, a convincing suave male vampire. You know, um, romantic. Now there's romance in here, but it's it, it's romance from her perspective, right? So. Right. I wanted a strong female lead character, and that's how she came to be. So you can say that this was plot-driven. The entire story is plot-driven. Yes. Yep, 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 yep. Plot, yeah, because I had the plot before I had the character. Right, right. So, yes. Do you often do that? Um, no. <laughs> With the mysteries, um, David Price is largely character-driven because I know the character I've written off. This is the fourth one that I'm writing now, mm -hmm. uh, but I've done it before. The other speculative piece, Prayer of Prey was definitely plot driven. Okay. Um, the Killing Breeze is plot driven as well, but no, that's character driven because actually the character came from a short story and it developed into a novel. So uh, I've probably done it maybe three times before. Okay, how long did it take you to write this specific book? Probably two years, maybe two, two, two years. years. Wow, yeah. yeah. Two to three years. Two Some three of them years. take that long. That happens to me too. Uh, what would you attribute that to? Why did it take longer than usual? Well, no, that that's usual. <laughs> that, 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 oh that, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that is well. It depends, right? That, that, yeah, yeah, that's just because I know. 
some authors, they can crank out four books per year. Yes, no. I just did an interview <laughs> with one. I can't do it. I have no idea no. how they do it. No idea. So no, anyways, this... so what were some of the major challenges in on your journey, on that two-year-long journey to crafting this story? I didn't want, I wanted her to sound unique. Um, I wanted the situations to be believable. I wanted, and that was it. I, I really wanted the reader to have a, a, a good sense or a good feeling that this could really happen. And that was important in, to me. It, it's important in speculative fiction, but then the feel as though this could be possible. And for it to be possible, it had to be realistic. So I couldn't just write her doing super things without <laughs> being a reason. And I wanted there to be enough family involvement, family interaction to almost sideline the fact that they were vampires, right? Right. I, I, wanted, I wanted the vampirism to be normalized. I wanted you to, to read it and forget that these were people who were um, outside of the norm of what is acceptable life in America or in, in the world. So I, I wanted the reader to feel as though um, the vampires were normal. So that took a lot of um, rewriting of scenes, a, a lot of um, creating normalcy. Right. So, right, as, right. so I, I wanted it. I, I didn't want feeding to look like a hor horrific event. I wanted the vampire feeding to look like it was needed. Initially, it looked like it was feed. It was horrible because it was when it was her first time doing it. She made a bloody mess of it. But after and then, you know, so I kind of wanted it. And then you, you meet vampires who feed off of um in, in the story who feed off of uh, blood bang bags. They, they don't kill other people. So that there are humanity. I wanted the reader to see vampires people. And I think I did a good job doing that. So that's why I took it, it took so long. I, I had to I had to soften up the the uh, the historical perspective of vampires. How much research ha did you have to do for this piece? It sounds like you have a lot of themes going on here. How much research? To what extent? Uh, a lot of it. Um, came from previous movies, came from previous mm -hmm. books that I read. Um, but I wanted to comment on something that I thought was believable. And I wanted to come up with something that what what could, could vampires do to make money? And I was like, well, they have bodies. Um, <laughs> let, let's sell. Um, and, and I saw it in another film, too, where they were involved in a um, an organ trade or organ doning. And so I incorporated that idea into this novel, but it's just a small part. I think the main, well, small, but, but not small, but I, I think the mm -hmm. main force of this is the family stuff that goes on. I think the readers, okay. and that, that's what people have been telling me. They were more surprised about how, when they get to the end of the book, being a vampire didn't seem so horrible, <laughs> you know? So that's the conclusion. Yeah, when they get to the end, yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what are your plans for this year, 2022? What's next? Ah, I am um, finishing up a, a the fourth in my One Dead Mystery series. It's called One Dead Activist. So I'm finishing that up, and I'm going back and forth over how I'm going to try to get it published. Um, you know, there was so much... Um, 
freedom in being um, how I published this one, right? So, and there was a lot less of the actual um, marketing for the initial publication sale. But I, um, financially, that marketing for the publication sale is more beneficial to me, you know? I make more money when somebody buys it and publishes it as opposed to um, using a service. So I, I'm not, um, but it's, uh, it's so much work trying to locate that publisher. Um, and then especially because this, this series, they've, this, this had one, um, two, three different publishers have published this series. So no one wants to pick up a, a, a book that another publisher is gonna get back sales off of. You know, so that's complicating it as well. Do, do I wanna present it to one of the people that published it, did they publish another book in the series? Will they want to republish it? And then two of those have changed, well, one of them has changed focus. They don't publish fiction anymore. So it, 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 it's a bit of a mess. So I have to figure out how it's going to get out there. It's going to get out there, but I just have to figure out how. So how do you navigate this? Because that's what I have found out. Many independent authors struggle with this. Which way to go? Mm -hmm. So how are you going to navigate? And how, what kind of tips would you give to all of us that we're kind of navigating through this? world that's constantly changing of independent right. publishing right I, I don't have any tips other than um just stay on it um mm -hmm. do, your, do your due diligence do your research um last night i i came up with um i thought i came up with uh, a possible new publisher but then when i looked they they would not publish anything that was published previously by another publisher and then i found two other or a series that another mm -hmm. publisher did. And I found two others that did that. So um, that's going to be the first thing I'm looking for. Who will publish a book that was published, this part of a series that was published by another publisher. If I can find a publisher to do that, that will be one. Another thing I'll look, I, I may just look at um, another service. You know, uh, I, I'm selling some of these Melody Night Vampire books through the service. So it wasn't a horrible thing to use. It was just different. Mm -hmm. um, okay. But uh, I've got two or three small presses that I know will take it on. Mm -hmm. uh, so I may contact them. Um, again, I, I'm just in the process of trying to figure sure. it out. Sure. And that's a good thing now. There are so many small presses with the, um, with the new digital formatting and print-on-demand formatting that um, it... It's a matter of, do you want to share the wealth, right? If I get with a small publisher, do they have enough market penetration to be beneficial for me? That, that's right. something that, that I consider, you know? Um, if not, um, I mean, there's enough be between what, Book Baby, Atmosphere, mm -hmm. yes. there's enough services out there that do have market penetration. So it, 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 it depends, you know? It, it, right. it, but it's a, good, it's a good decision to have to make. Because there was a time when people wrote books that never got out there, you know, that, that stayed on their typewriters or stayed in their desk forever. So I think we're at a good time in history, but um, that good time means that we also must be very creative in our marketing and in our market exposure. Yeah. When do you find the time to write? That's another big one. 
that both authors, fellow authors struggle with and a lot of novice writers who would like to become published authors. When do you write? Um, I write in the mornings and see what I did was um, I went back to school about um, maybe 10, 15 years ago um, because I, I, I knew that it was, I was in sales. And as long as I stayed in sales, um, my writing time was very, very limited. I was able to finish two books while, maybe three, while working as a full-time salesman. Um, however, um, when I went back to school and I got the MFA, and then I got the MA, and that allowed me to become a, a professor, which allows me more time to write. Um, yeah. I, I don't make the same amount of, of money that I made as a salesman. But as an adjunct professor, I do, I, I can eat and I can write, you know, so it, it works out okay. So it fits well, your academic career with your writing, it's yes. a good fit. It's a good fit. And that's a good what fit. a lot of authors are searching for, to somehow juggle all this and make it work. Right. as it well as new authors okay all right so would you like to read to us tony sure sure what i'm going to read is um probably chapter one and if i go over just let me know and i'll stop okay i will let me take my glasses off this is, i'm mm -hmm. older now i can actually do better without them. all right chapter one after i died i earned a bachelor of science degree from the illinois institute of technology and a master of science degree from the University of Chicago. Also, I earned my Odon black belt in Taekwondo and I became a CIA operative. I walked to Jackson, Mississippi, then back home to Chicago out of boredom. Because the lead scientist said a woman couldn't, I spent six weeks in a life pod under the Atlantic to help develop an aqualung that pulled breathable oxygen from ocean water. And I designed a logistics program that sold to FedEx for $10 million. Again, I did all of this after I died. I knew vampires who called how we existed a curse. And I understood their perspective, but I didn't share it because death gave me life. Monday night. His name was Fernando Castillo, and I hated his guts. He didn't look like a child-murdering monster dressed in his linen blue suit and soft, almost seductive smile had no evil residue dripping from it the night he opened this hotel suite door. He looked like a friendly middle-aged Spanish guy. It's good to see you again, Miss Knight, was how he greeted me when I stepped into the suite. Castillo's hand instantly went to the small of my back as we walked to the suite's bar. My sundress, which was 12 inches above my knees, was a bright yellow, a beautiful, a beautiful sunflower yellow that I knew wouldn't remain after cleaning. All I was expecting to get out of the dress in its original radiance was two wearings at the most. I really didn't want his palm print on the dress, so I stepped out of his reach and walked toward the bar. He continued past me to the bar. He went behind the bar and started pulling glasses from the single shelf. I sat on one of the tall bar stools. Do, do you, like most African-American women, drink rum and coke? I detest being corralled into a group and categorized. And when it happened, verbal venom automatically spewed from my mouth. But I was on assignment with a goal in mind, so I tried to control the venom. I don't think I'm like most Af 
I don't think I'm like most of any group. And I find it hard to believe that most black women like rum and coke. Most of my friends don't even drink. I smiled. Yes, he needed to die, but information was needed first. I was trying hard not to think about the suffocated children or letting my anger show what was, or letting my anger show was not an option because I wanted the name of the company that owned the train car, the company the CIA was protecting. Chad, my handler for the agency, was very detailed in the assignment parameters, information only. I had consulted with my father, Daniel, also a CIA operative, about Castillo's involvement in the death of the children, and his advice was to follow the CIA directives. But I wanted to do more, and those murdered children deserved more. Oh, you are, are one of a kind, unique beauty, no? I love proud African-American women, independent thinkers, no? Well, there is no Coke available. Is Pepsi and rum okay? He was still assuming I drank, and he was still assuming I drank rum and Coke. I couldn't immediately kill him because my plan was to go to the press with the name of the company. And after exposing the company, the whole mess would be left to the humans to handle. So I said, that will be fine, thank you, and kept a smile on my face. I know that you Americans are very brand conscious, but to me, cola is cola. Yes, I agree. Soda is soda and rum is rum. He shook his head to the negative, causing his brown hair to wave at me. Oh no, there's a difference in rums, but you only have one choice. So your being impartial is a very good thing. He grabbed the ice from my drink and out of the ice bucket without washing his hands. And the sink was right there. After he fixed my drink with his bare unwashed hands, he poured himself a straight shot of tequila. It has been a long day, he, ex he exhaled pulling the stopper back, putting the stopper back in the tequila. He pushed my drink across the narrow bar to my fingers, and he gently slid his index finger across the back of my hand. I had to fight against the reflex of snatching my hand away. Castillo's touch turned my stomach, but my smile held. He came from behind the bar and sat on the bar stool next to mine. I purposely hadn't fed, so I smelled the greed in his blood, when he sat next to me. The rush of his blood moving through his veins was almost distracting. He uncorked the bottle, poured, and downed another shot. He nosily tapped the shot glass down on the bar. Ah, now let's talk. He spun all the way around on the bar stool like a kid. He stopped and said, forgive me, Melody, but why are we meeting this evening? My mind is filled with so many meeting and meeting agendas. The same index finger he used to caress the back of my hand circled his temple in a local motion. My memory's gone bye-bye. His eyes smiled with his narrow lips. I put, the, I put the glass to my own lips, but didn't actually sip it. I placed it on the bar and answered him. It's concerning the Sierra Leone rejection and cargo contamination. I looked at his reflection in the bar's mirror. His jet black hair contrasted against his buttermilk skin. My skin was shown like chocolate satin was not reflected in the mirror. In the 37 years I've existed as a vampire, only one person noticed that I have no reflections in the mirror, a child who is now grown. When I mentioned Sierra Leone, Castillo lowered his head for a moment. Oh yes, a very sad occurrence. So many deceased children. He seemed sincere in his concern, but I knew better. Humans are all deceitful, especially the greedy. The problem, sir, is in identifying the owner of the cargo ship. If you can do that, your company will avoid any bad press and legal responsibility. 
He spent the shot glass on the bar top with his fingertips. Yes, I understand. But my PR people and legal team have assured me that legacy airlines cannot be held responsible by any means. We merely transported the car. The search for the owners is not our concern. And the government of Sierra, Sierra Leone understands this. So don't worry your pretty little head about such matters. I have others working on it. He looked from the spinning shot glass to me. So you're from Chicago, no? I don't know, how, how am I on time? Thank you, that's good. Okay. We're good. And now, Tony, if you could give us the details of your book giveaway. Sure. Um, if you can email me at writing, W-R-I-T-I-N-G dot night, N-I-G-H-T at gmail.com. Again, the email address is writing dot night at gmail.com. Email me your address and I will happily forward it. Uh, Melody Knight to the first two people that email me. Excellent. Before we do our parting shots, I would like to thank our main sponsors, Doc Chavent and Digital Quill Services for Writers with author Colleen Nye. Tony, give us your parting shots. You're the guest. You go first. Ah, well, be sure to um, get Melody Knight. You can get her on Amazon um, or wherever you purchase your books. Okay. And my parting shots are buy indie, read indie, and write indie. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you for <laughs> listening. Goodbye, Tony. Thanks. Bye -bye. Thank you. <laughs>